I think throughout human history, we have been grasping at straws when it comes to that. We've been inventing this greater truth. But the, I think the difference between Bitcoin and conventional religion, I'm not saying that Bitcoin is a religion, but it might fulfill the same purpose in a lot of ways for some people, is that Bitcoin is truth. Like, Bitcoin is verifiable. Hey, everybody. This is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. Ready? Go. Bitcoiners, no coiners, new coiners, pre coiners, and even shit coiners, welcome to Swan Lounge, the weekly show in which you get to hang out with the Swan team and some of our friends from the amazing world of Bitcoin. Oh, wait, we're, we're on high hash rate. Hey, everybody. Hi. This, this is Mike from High Hash Rate, and I'm just letting you know that we've got BVBTC, BVBTC, yes. Brecky Von Bitcoin on. And Mr. Nelson that we had last week. Guys, how you Back doing? More. I'm not the host. I'm not the host. That's so true. I know. But I'm, I always end up leaning on everyone else to be the host, right? Mike, I got to uh, say, it's real quick. It's, it's amazing to have seen this show grow from its humble beginnings on the beaches of El, El Salvador when it was just an idea. And now you're on like the 500th episode. So congratulations. This is big. So I'm maybe sorry. I'm like every like 50 episodes you should have someone who has no idea what this show is about <laughs> like a total shit pointer it's the worst shit pointer you can find just just a dedicated just a dedicated stoner no coiner that just Lewis <laughs> just shows up just you know all right so what's going on this week guys tell me what's going on man it's been crazy it's been a crazy week at swan just so much going on it's been uh it's just one of those weeks where you there's so much to do and everywhere you look there's something more going on that you got to be a part of it's like there's it's it's amazing but it's it's it wears on you right when you have these like intense weeks where everyone's asking for stuff you're asking everyone for stuff it's just a lot of chaos right there's a lot of a lot of uh a lot of stuff but i will say the topic on my mind is now that we're through cycle three you know, there's, we've had now kind of like entire generations of Bitcoiners now roll through. And I was listening to uh, American HODL talking about like, you know, the generation kind of before him and then all the new people now that are coming in kind of and having a, a name or, you know, a brand that they've created. And just, it's, it's going to be very interesting kind of thinking about where we left off last time, you know, a lot of talk about time and capturing data and, you know, like storing like valuable moments. And it's, it's, it will, it's going to be such an interesting kind of like historical, like, uh, I guess, narrative or story in hindsight about like each of these epochs, right. Of, of the, the story and how like different faces showed up and, it's a, it has a very like epic novel type of like writing sense to it. Right. Like you have these new faces. It's like, yeah, I don't have a, I don't have an end point for that thought, but I just, I, I, I think it's interesting being that like, uh, you know, he mentioned that a lot of the people coming in now that even the hat, they have like a name behind them. Like they, they don't necessarily know who some of the original 
like Bitcoiners are, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've mm-hmm. just been like what 13 years, 12 mm-hmm. and a half years, right. and like the new people are like completely oblivious to like the original cohort, and they they mostly probably came in under the wing of like the second cycle mm-hmm. cohort, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so super interesting how that um that's Was playing it? out in these four year waves, right? Did you start thinking about this when you saw Murad come back onto Twitter? Yeah, that for sure. Like I definitely, cause that name, that was his piece was so epic at the time. Like I read that thing and I reread it and reread it. And it was just, it just kept getting better every time I read it. And I just got more out of it. It was just one of those amazing, uh, just, just amazing offerings to the community at the end of the day. Right. Like just, and we've had so many of them in Bitcoin and is the truth to, to date um and maybe it's just bias of of the time see there's you know in sports they always talk about like this gen versus last gen which one was better all this stuff right and i i i do i do agree on some level or at least i hope it's not true but it seems like as time goes on you may end up with um like a more diluted effect right on the the quote-unquote like let's just call it the purity for lack of a better word right of of like the the movement or the the ideology or the you know which what we're what we're driving towards disciples become less pure as well right like the yeah, disciples exactly. of bitcoin become yeah keep well, going with that that's, that's, cool. that's interesting you might be right and like a lot of the times i go on twitter and i'm just like oh great another philosopher who has a fucking paper on bitcoin great oh ideas that i've seen before cool good for you man you know like that's me being the jaded bitcoiner but then the other side of this is that as time goes by, it's there is more content to consume and there are more ideas and more opinions, mm-hmm. but you could make the argument that over time, these ideas are getting refined and that the ideas back in the day when people didn't really understand what Bitcoin was, now they understand it better, or some do at least. And some of the ideas, some of the, the new folks who are coming out and, you know, they write an amazing article or, or they have this new way of looking at Bitcoin would only have been possible because of the people who came before them who didn't have such a, a good view, you know, like even. Yeah, that's a great point. Like safe, like the Bitcoin standard is still one of my favorite books, but like there are probably some things in there that aren't, you know, totally right, you know, and he's learned lessons too. And people are coming in, refining these ideas. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent point. Like the, the resolution is increasing um, especially because not, not only are people's own thoughts being refined to your point, but it's also as we see more of the actual real world development of, of Bitcoin applications like Lightning or you know, other things, Taproot, like, like the shape of what it will be is like slowly piecing together because back four years ago, it was still just really on chain is it. And so like conversations were much more, uh, it was like, a lot of projections on what would what people would expect to come and so mm-hmm. like now we've gotten where like there's more puzzle pieces down that have happened and so like yeah to your point like a lot of those thoughts like people read the old stuff but now that we have this new information about the reality of what's happened they're they're like you know getting a little bit more dialed in with the direction totally and there's so many things happening is that like it's crazy i can't i can't keep like i can't keep up with it anymore <laughs> I don't try. I try to like curate my Bitcoin experience as much as I possibly can. It's like, do I need to, to read this article or should I go work on some artwork or work on some work? It's true. Um, usually like 
I don't really have a litmus test, but if enough people are talking about something, I'm like, all right, five people I trust raved about this. Okay, I'm going to go listen to it now. Uh, <laughs> like I let them do the work for me instead of- uh, but you, That just means you really have to be a good judge of character these well, days. Like I came on this podcast. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and all this jury still out then on on you know, judge of character. <laughs> it, it, you, I mean, it's true, right? You have to be a very good judge of character. What if you're, uh, you know, what if you think the person you tr you should trust is Doquan, you know, or well, it's not a matter of trusting them, but it's a matter of <clears throat> me saying to myself, okay, this podcast, this article, this video is is getting attention. So I want to say to myself, why? Why is this thing getting attention? Mm -hmm. And that will draw me in. It's not necessarily that I trust these people to like curate my my education 100. Mm -hmm. um, but there is so much to that to think just how uh, an identity, even online, like people you haven't met before, uh, but an identity you trust online, and this can be fucked with, as we can all see, you know, and is being fucked with these days. But you can imagine this sort of extrapolate, extrapolate that thought out. It's like uh, if you have identities online that you're trusting all the time for your food, you know, your knowledge thought in food, knowledge food, <laughs> then. I get uh, my tweets and my food delivery from Loomdart. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if they, if that account or that identity comes back to you, and says something to you, asks you to do something, you know, and you can, you obviously trust them. People, you know, can, they will move their, their, their actions maybe in a way that is counter, counter well, to what they, you know, who they are. Actually, I do want to bring it back to food for a second because <laughs> it's kind of a phenomenon. There, how many Bitcoiners have actually changed the way they eat because of other Bitcoiners? Like how I many have, carnivores there are I now? Have, yeah. Like so that that food is part of it. I'm a much more heavier. I'm heavier on the carnivore carnivore side, mm -hmm. and I don't know. I sort of feel guilty about it, in a way. Like I don't know if it's the right way. I'm not sure. Like I've heard so many things before, you know, <laughs> about vegan diets and all this shit, and you know, I really really okay. fed into a lot of that stuff for a while. So I don't know how to feel about it. But I'm be becoming more of a carnivore, enjoy it more. Then have you gone through a like a vegan stage as well? I, I yeah, earlier. Yeah. yeah, I had this whole idea about being, you know, not vegan for the sake of being healthy, but vegan for the sake of sacrificing my <laughs> personal desires for society, you know, this mm. sort of garbage nonsense right <clears throat> that we feed into and i think when i think we're younger is very common but i don't know it makes me just think like what we were talking about earlier i'm sorry to wait did you have any thoughts about any of that on food sorry nelson i don't know on food i think okay so because it's is... a good question it does change okay. you being a bitcoiner changes your your food habits yeah yeah so i'll tell you like you know terrence fucked me up one day because we were out in la and you know he asked me like um we weren't even talking about me, but we were talking about Bitcoiners. And he said, like, you know, there's an element of it that's very cultish, right? Like, there's just a very diehard belief. And if you're looking from the outside, by all appearances, it looks like some type of cult is forming, right? Um, and then he kind of he kind of mentioned that like, a lot of Bitcoiners just have, like, such uniform beliefs in things that are not necessarily directly related to Bitcoin, right? And so, like, 
seed oils and like carnivore diet. And there's a lot of things that we all kind of have like a, the large, the vast majority of us seem to like move in the same, like a school of fish in the same they, direction. Yeah, very well said. And he asked me like, you know, like what's something that like, like if you want to figure out in a way, like how somebody's thinking, right. About like, like Brecky, you mentioned, Hey, I'll get feelers from my network about what to read, but then ultimately I need to be the one to verify and think about it. Right. <clears throat> and so, you know, Terrence asked the question of it, like, what is one thing that 95% of one thing you believe that 95% of Bitcoiners don't believe. Mm. Right. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, I'm like, maybe, <laughs> maybe like drinking a lot of Kool-Aid here. Cause I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm like almost like doing everything that everyone, you know, is popular in, in our space. And I'm like, wow, it's a, uh, it's a weird thing because when you feel like you're in a great place and a great community surrounded by bright minds, it just, it's very easy to just buy into what's being said, right? Because everything else they've said has been good so far. So this one must be good too, right? Like, and it's, 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 it's just so easy as a human being just to slip into that, that way of thinking, right? Where you stop challenging people's ideas that you consider to be like, uh, you know, a bright person, right? Like you kind of by proxy give them uh yeah it's like i don't know you know you know what i'm saying oh, of course like, yeah what, like it, it it's like what, what if bitcoin doesn't work what if we've been lied to about it what if we all think because i've never read the fucking code right i don't know right. if i read the code would i i wouldn't know what i was looking at right yeah 100 my brother my brother is a programmer and he tells me he tells me like yeah, it's like open source, but how many of you actual Bitcoiners have actually read through all the source code? And it's like I've yeah, read like, through all the source code and I understand every line. <laughs> but hey, that would be that that would be some cool artwork. If there's something to do with like some piece of art with the source code, like Yo, that would be bad. I really want to do some sort it's of a... artwork that has to do with elliptic curve cryptography. Yeah. Um, um you know what's this is so random. It just reminded me. Um, so I I former former job former life before this was i worked at cloudflare and cloudflare you know internet infrastructure type company but uh someone posted the other day that when you walk into the headquarters uh the the left side is all a wall of lava lamps just kind of flowing mm -hmm. and uh they use it for randomness for entropy so they shoot a, a there's always a camera pointing there watching that's cool yeah, the lava as it flows through. And it's like, it's like probably like a couple hundred lava lamps all mm -hmm. in rows. And it just uses the mixture to create randomness, right? For cybersecurity really cool. and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> so like super cool, like, you know, high level, like geek, but like awesome in a way, right? And, and that sort of like creativity, but like utility and like art all, all kind of rolled up into one. And um, yeah, like that's, there's something to be said about that combination of things right like it's very uh like like art like that is like super attractive to me like mm -hmm. i don't know what it is about that art but it's it's, it's like got it kind of has these it's it's like art bolted onto this bolted onto this and it all kind of connects and interplays together right to create value you um a few folks who do like generative art um i think there's some there's there's like a fair amount of it in the shitcoin nft space but there's a few Bitcoin folks who do it too, that basically like they use data from the blockchain to generate artwork, which I always found super interesting. And don't they use it as to like affect the, uh, like the lights on something? 
or so, haven't I seen this before? Some might. I wanted to do that, and I tried to learn to code, and I like got to the point where I could like program an LED light to do something. But then I had to like figure out how to take the data from Bitcoin and tell the lights to do something, and I just like, eh. No, that's a tough. Yeah, you got to have a. Lot of <laughs> I didn't have the time. But that um, is a cool. Yeah. That sounds like a cool project. Mm -hmm. Sure. It, because then you you would get this sort of sense of like what does Bitcoin look like or like what does uh mm -hmm. you know what There's, I mean like translating about, a visual representation. You know about Bitcoin, Bitcoin audio. So Bitcoin audio is a, a cool dude who I um we were going to collaborate on a big art piece and it never ended up happening. But he takes data from the blockchain and generates sound. So you can hear oh, wow. what the blockchain sounds like. You can hear what that transaction sounds like, what that, that block cool. sounds like. Um, probably program it to do whatever you want. It's like, it's the synthesizers that he chose. Right. If somebody were to like, loved classical music and were to rig something where like, I don't know, this type of data causes, you know, a violin section to play a C chord, you know, or the, the note C or something like that. Like you could, who knows what it's well, like, I don't know. Yeah, that sounds amazing actually. You could think about that. Like then if you're a musician on the Bitcoin blockchain, you're basically, what's the one choice you have is the synthesizers or the sort of the, the instrument that you apply to the blockchain, right? But the blockchain is the one that's playing, <laughs> playing the music. That's interesting. It's like perpetual music machine. It just keeps. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's a song that never ends. All right. Oh, yeah. That's a good way to look at it. It's a song you know, that never ends. Yeah, the, the the end of the podcast with uh, with Hoddle there, he had such a good, uh, I've never heard anyone describe it this way, but he mentioned that the, the story of Bitcoin is about a, um, I forget the, like a group of like basically imperfect or flawed humans that came into contact with a perfect machine. And, and he met, and the other insight was it's the first machine that we've ever made that we can't turn off. Right. Wow. Well done. Like, wow, yes. like, those are some like bangers, you know, that sounds like a perpetual but, motion machine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, the and in a, in a weird way, like there's, there's almost like a, a certain level of like AI ness to it. Right. Where, um, I don't know if you guys read that, like, uh, la lamd the guy from google ai team where like he, he claimed that he felt like the ai that they were building was like started asking very sentient questions and all that stuff so i read through like some of those transcripts um and like the whole idea of like is this machine alive right is interesting because in that thread the thing is kind of constantly asking survival-based questions right it's like trying to figure out like, what are you trying to do with me? Like, are you, it's like looking out for itself, right? It's mm -hmm. trying to figure out like, am I mm -hmm. in danger or something like that? Mm -hmm. And like the crazy thing about, about like the structure of Bitcoin is that it, the, the, like the base DNA is like, is not really money. It's just survival, right? Like it has this insane mm. level of survivalness to it, like mm. at the base underneath the money part of it, where it's just like, and there's always an Bitcoin is, is designed to keep itself alive and going. Yeah. It's almost like something that people take for granted because it just is always running, but it's almost actually more fundamental than actually the stuff we use it for in terms of the, the, uh, the, you know, like the Bitcoin network to exchange Bitcoin. It's just at a base layer. It's like so this thing came to life and it's managed to stay alive. 
through a lot of crazy like the last two weeks has been crazy right for like what's been going on in the markets obviously with bitcoin in the network that hasn't changed a whole lot based on the movements out there but like it's crazy that you have a machine and you have people all hooking into it um and no matter how like freaked out the human network aspect of it gets the network itself never even it doesn't it doesn't like skip a beat right it's weird like it's, the network itself could get freaked out like ah fuck my price is high yeah ah, my price is going down ah i well, better make more blocks that's the thing about it is that like the, it's just it's built in such a crazy way that it's just always so calm because if you think about other other blockchains that have been created it's like they just fall over right mm-hmm. like once it gets to a certain point it just falls on its face or just all the all the holes are exposed and everything else in between but like i think part of part of being like it's one thing to get stood up and come to life as as like a artificial life form right and then the other aspect is just staying alive at that point right because i like part of what gives our world so much comfort in a way is because you know that like it's like a you're sitting on a bed with like a thousand mattresses, right? Like, it's just like, it's like a level of, a level of concreteness that's so comforting, right? Because it's so thick, like that wall is so thick that you're just like, okay, nothing's coming over this thing, right? So I'm all, <laughs> like, nice, thick down comforter in a really cold room. That's what Bitcoin is. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You guys, uh, you want to hear what Bitcoin sounds like with this Bitcoin audio? Yes. I can give a post because I don't know what's going to happen with recording. I'll still record, right? I'll just make you host. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I can just try hitting share screen. I think you well, we're still see. recording. You're good. You're host. All right. Okay. Share screen. See, now I am hosting the podcast. <laughs> hey! <laughs> you did it. You it's heard inevitable. It, it just always happens. Welcome to Swan Lounge, everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm gonna share a screen takeover podcast <laughs> oh good what's your favorite block height give me your favorite block height we'll hear what that block sounds like really it can go back in time oh yeah oh well, that's right of course we can, what, we can hear what <laughs> can bitcoin sounded like it goes back to the sheet music and yeah. it's like okay right what, here. what did block 1000 sound like block 1000 okay one and three zeros okay this is what block 1000 sounded like according to this sim generator thing. Hell yeah. Get into that. I can kind of get into that. Right, that's block 1000. <laughs> that's block number 500, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, that was block number 1,000. 1,000, 1,000, everybody. And there's a whole bunch of different, like, settings to change the sounds, I think, too. Um, Yo, that's a fantastic little uh, art piece right there. Oh, they've got a marimba? That's awesome. Uh, uh, Hold on. Nelson, what's your favorite block? Give me a block height. Uh, I'm going to have to go with block height one. Uh, Wrong. This is high hash rate. We're going with 420. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's block height 420 and I put it on a marimba. <laughs> Mike, I feel like you're gonna be playing with this all the time now. This is yeah, so up your alley. Yeah, it sounds pretty it dope. It sounds like the, the type of like music they put in 
these like HBO shows in between, like as they're like moving through a scene, it's like the kind of thing playing in the, just like some offbeat, but like rhythmic. The guy's like walking somewhere it's, or it's like a, mon, a yeah. montage to show time passing and he's like coding or something. Yeah, yo, that's an interesting concept to, to think about music at different times and what it sounds like at different times if it's a never ending song. That's some strange shit. Like in eternity, basically. It's like you're listening to eternity. You sort of know what it sounds like. You know what you made me think about earlier? We are the uh, the nervous system of Bitcoin. Humans are, are, are becoming sort of the nervous system of Bitcoin itself. Mm. And it like where we think that we are owning this thing, it's actually like, it's using us to like, <coughs> fucking grow of course right like it's this thing that could never die that's what made me think about it this thing that right. could die. the survival mechanism that is half it's half digital and it's half human because humans it needs humans to survive right yeah i don't know that's where i was that, when, when bitcoiners say like oh that doesn't matter bitcoin doesn't care like it doesn't matter bitcoin doesn't like bitcoin is for people like right. at the end of the day, it is for people. Without people, it has it serves no purpose. Like it's not here to make the planet itself better. It's here to make our existence on this planet better. That's well said. Well said. Yeah, I mean, it's like what, what other thing? It, people need this sort of relationship with their value, right? They need a structure system where they can trust it and they can trust their values and what they have and their property. So in order to sort of exist and move on, right? If you can't trust, I mean, just look at, like prior to being a Bitcoiner, I would think that I was like, what is gonna come tomorrow? Cause I don't know, you know, I have no idea. I don't have this, I don't have that. I don't want prep, prepped for this. I'm not prepared for that. I have, I live in a apartment, you know, with three other individuals that I barely know and I'm, <laughs> this low in cash or whatever the scenario that you're in. Um, but it's just amazing that once you become a Bitcoiner, you sort of, there's a, like you're up against that wall, as you said, you know, that wall is too big. It's going to survive and it's mm -hmm. pulling you in, you know? So, right. Something I find interesting kind of along those lines, maybe it's like an explanation for it. I, I don't know. Um, but like you look at human history and I find religion fascinating, even though I'm not religious and I don't believe in, uh, you know, old man, old white guy in the sky kind of God. Mm -hmm. If I believe in God, that's a whole other story. Um, but the human need to believe in something bigger, to be part of something bigger, yeah. Yeah. I think is part of the human story. And I think throughout human history, we have been grasping at straws when it comes to that. We've been inventing this greater truth. Um, and it may or may not be real. It may have no basis in reality whatsoever, but people would attach themselves to it and make that their identity. And Bitcoin, I think, serves that same purpose. Like a lot of Bitcoiners were lost and now they're found. You know, they didn't have purpose and now Bitcoin gave them purpose or helped them find their purpose. But the, I think the difference between Bitcoin and, um, you know, conventional religion, I'm not saying that Bitcoin is a religion, but it might fulfill the same purpose in, in a lot of ways for some people is that Bitcoin is truth. Like Bitcoin is verifiable. 
Like all these things that, pe- that human beings put their faith in beforehand, there was no verification. There's no way to like, it was all tr- trust based off, it was human trust. It's like, oh, you trust the priest, you trust the rabbi, you trust the imam, you trust the shaman who says they know the spirits of the forest, but the shaman didn't know the spirits of the forest. There's no way to actually verify that. Everything in Bitcoin is verifiable. Um, you trust the institutions, you trust the banks, you trust, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it all comes down to that. And so like, I think for, you know, a lot of religious people, I think will say that like agnostics are like soulless, you know, what do they live for? Or, you know, like they're missing out on something. And maybe, and then I think you can be religious and be a Bitcoiner too, because there's lots of the, those folks out there, but like it, it serves that similar purpose. Like this, it serves a higher purpose for a lot of people. And I think like that's something that in part drives humanity is our need to like, to believe in something, in a better future, to create for the future, to, to expand and grow and make things better. But without a, a moral framework or a, uh, a mental framework for that, it, it can feel, you can feel very lost. Like, mm-hmm. you can feel insignificant rather than, and like, look, like, you can still be insignificant in Bitcoin. Like, you know, you, you're, the network is much bigger than all of us, right? But you're still a part of it. And that's something I find pretty cool. Yeah, the, the image of Bitcoin is definitely changing. I mean, and Dan and I talk about this too. Uh, but like archetypes, like turn, you can see what Bitcoiners look like more and more. There's, there's one thing to that though, is I I feel like we fall into this trap of, of when we say Bitcoiners, what we really mean are like the Bitcoiners we know through Bitcoin Twitter and through like social media. And like, we often forget that there are Bitcoiners around the world who have, they don't even know about Bitcoin Twitter, but they're in a country where they're just using Bitcoin because it makes sense for them. Um, and like, I think we're becoming more and more connected. So that's less and less of a thing, mm. but you know, there are plenty of Bitcoiners who pay no attention to social media. They don't give a shit that, you know, so-and-so stealing someone else's tweets or like so-and-so went on someone else's podcast. They just run a node <laughs> and have uncensorable sovereign money you know? <laughs> and, they're, and, and they're vegans living in a hut in <laughs> wherever with, you know, solar panel and a, a tenuous internet connection. So yeah, that, that is very cool that there's, there is, they're everywhere. Like Bitcoiners are everywhere, right? Like all over the world, and no matter where you go, like you're, you'll, there's a Bitcoiner somewhere near you. And I think it's a, I'm actually going, so I'm going to Mexico Monday. Um, I'm going to spend like a month there with Rigel and um, a couple of people. And it's, it's, when I think about going somewhere new, the first thought in my head is like, I want to meet Bitcoiners in that area, right? Like, like before I think about like my my normie network or anything like that, like the first thought in my head is like, it would be a great opportunity to meet like another badass Bitcoiner in a completely new city, right? Like somewhere I've never been before. Like it's such a good, there's something like, there's something about the network that is just very organic, you know? Like, it's not like it's, tr- like it's a, it's a very natural thought for me to have, you know? Like I'm not like, I'm not so, thinking. Here's, so here's this idea, you know, they said that the internet would connect us, it would connect the globe, right? But yeah. we grew up with the internet and like, did you have pen pals across the world? No, I didn't. But like, because of Bitcoin, I have friends in El Salvador and Venezuela, in Russia, like in Germany, like in places that I never would have thought that I would actually have meaningful relationships with people I right. now have because Bitcoin brought us all together. Yeah, it's, it's so why is it that other 
communities like it never materialized like this or has it and maybe i'm, I'm just not a part of those because you hit on it with the the internet like the internet has kind of it's created more friendship but very shallow mm -hmm. right like you don't really know anyone on the internet that well but for some reason you know people from bitcoin twitter like you know if you ever met them in person like you'd you'd be you'd, it'd be awesome you'd have a great time right like we're more connected than before bitcoin we're more connected than we've ever been but like less connected than we've, we'd ever been exactly yeah and i guess i guess like we're very connected in part because a lot of people are actually literally spending a lot of time together whether just over tweets or over spaces over clubhouse like so actually i guess like our thing is a little bit I guess, I don't know if intimacy is the right word, but like relatively to the internet that we know of, like just Instagram and these things, it's very intimate. <laughs> like you don't have like forums where people are just like mm -hmm. talking shit to each other or just like, you know, like it's just such a, um, it's such a public stage, which doesn't really exist in most um, parts of life outside of maybe like Hollywood, but it's all staged. Whereas like half our community is autistic and just going at each other's throats. Well, do you feel like that's happening because we're like it's like an underdog thing where like underdogs feel like they're fighting an uphill battle in some ways and they they gel together or is it because of the another aspect maybe like they're maybe well, we, uh, we are sort of spartans in that in that way yeah we have our golden shields we have our you know weapons up and we're just approaching you know you know slowly but surely slowly but right. surely we're coming step by step yeah and we will absorb you you know what i mean maybe uh, in a world where in a world without bitcoin where you can't trust your money you can't trust your institutions like you also can't trust anyone else around you but in a world where yeah. you have money you can trust you can start to trust people again i like that totally that's true yeah every and every one of those spartans uh they fucking trust each other right? implicitly. Like that's how they operate. So I don't know. I think it's like when you guys say that you have friends in multiple spaces, same, same deal. Like I would never thought I would have met as many people from around the world, different thoughts. It's different a mission like you're mission driven. And I, I feel like it exists in other realms, you know, like I feel like, you know, if you, everybody who works for like, I don't know, like the, the LA Dodgers is probably like a, big old family they love what they're doing like they all want the dodgers to win it's like it has similar vibes but like at the end of the day like it's not nearly as earth shattering as bitcoin is and the fact when you meet a bitcoiner and you know their level of understanding of bitcoin you're like oh okay like you get to know them a little bit and you're like okay they've processed the same mind shattering things that i've processed it's mm -hmm. like i know this person because this person is me yeah like it they did the work the the barrier between that too but like the barrier between you and them starts to break down in a way mm -hmm. no for sure for sure just the idea that they both of you have to do the work in order to get there and i think for most people there's a bit of a um there's also the ask i think an element that people are there there's they're seeking it right they're actively seeking something um but it's not like people seek things in all their life right like whatever it is whatever they're fascinated by um i think that for a lot of people i do my myself and i've heard a lot from other people's stories as well it seems like a lot of people it's almost like they're somewhat called to it right like there's almost some like it's like 
it feels a little bit more than just like, oh, I was kind of interested in finance or something. So I just started looking at Bitcoin. It was like something is like because it presents such a, uh, a stark contrast to what we have, it by nature is not like a comfortable thing to walk up to, mm-hmm. right? Because it's just a foreign object to you. Mm-hmm. And so you, you got to be a certain type of person, right? To say, I'm going to reach my hand out to this like ET thing and try and touch it, right? And <laughs> see what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that, that by default, you're already talking to like a bit of an adventurous crowd to some extent, right? Like on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, what's that? I was going to say, like, it's like you're in the trenches with someone. Like, you, I haven't been to war, but if you go to war with someone, like, the, you build a bond because of those shared experiences. And like, that, right. that can happen in a lot, you know. If you're in a fraternity, you go through like, you know, pledging similar experience, maybe. Um, Michael and I went to film school. Like we were in the fucking trenches there. Like I may not see some of my other film school friends, but like in a matter of minutes, if you see them, like you, you slip right back into it because like you have that shared, that shorthand that you developed. Mm-hmm. Of, like, I think one, one really good side effect of, um, of more, more Bitcoin adoption is that I, I think about those times in my life, like, let's say like 10 years ago, um, like, let's just say like even college years, whichever years just after college and you, you like time moves so much slower back then. Like I was not in a rush almost ever like, to do anything. Right. Like it was, and that's part of just the, the age I was at in, mm-hmm. in life, but it was also because life was literally less insane. Right. Like now you just have all these, thoughts always swirling in the back somewhere right like it's there's just too much weirdness going on in our world and the the human brain is just like eats it all up because it's all novel right it's all this controversial weird loud noises upset people like it's like your brain is just like on overdrive all the time today Mm -hmm. so um i I hope that like bitcoin had that effect of actually like giving people their time back so people can actually slow down a little bit right because Oh, maybe this is the data flood that I'm talking about. Oh, but, yeah. What's the connection to this? Uh, well, this is an interesting thought. Um, so what what is all this content for, including the shit that we're making right now? What is it all for? It's for vying for attention, right? Yeah. So the more you get vied for attention, the more people have your attention. The- and you're working and you're doing it on behalf of an organization that does not exist. How weird is that? Well, that's a question. Why, why did we, what was the, the real impetus for this podcast? Like, why did you do, want to start the podcast? Maybe the reasons that's have changed, question. but like, was this, I need a creative outlet or this is just a good idea and I think it should exist and I'm the right person to do it or. I've always wanted to start this podcast for two reasons. One was to, um, to speak with, people constantly while I'm high speak with Bitcoiners specifically uh, and reproduce the interesting conversations that I had in places like Miami or El Salvador uh, or any other sort of situation where I've been high with Bitcoiners, but those are the main ones for me. So reproduce these sort of interesting talks that we have during those nights of connecting and getting high. So that was the one first reason. Second reason was I wanted to use uh, use this podcast to support myself and my family mm. at some point in my life. And I 
I want that dearly because <laughs> that would just be a cool fucking thing for me. Nice. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's a it's a it's a uh, cool thing to find something that you enjoy doing that also pays the bills. That's like exactly. the goal of everybody. Exactly. Yeah, you know that the the people I see that just are really maximizing that right now in like the most authentic way are, are these comedians. They all have a podcast and it's all such easy listening because they're just with other comedians talking shit basically to each other or just like having a good time and laughing about something. And um, that like when I think about that, it's like pretty awesome to think that being a comedian has never been a job that paid. And all of a sudden, like these guys can actually get paid like for real for their work. And it's like. It's cool when you when you see the Internet do something like that, right, like where it opens up a, a genuinely like productive new avenue of of mm -hmm. some source of value. Right. And so. Not sure where I was going with that, but I did have this thought that just popped in my head way back earlier in this whole conversation about the. There's like almost an idea of like is Bitcoin are we domesticating Bitcoin or does Bitcoin domesticate us? Yes, thought, yes, right? yes, like yes. That sort of thing. And so there's... Somebody's been reading Sapiens lately. Well, I, I haven't read Sapiens. I've always wanted to, but here's the book I read. Have you heard of The Omnivore's Dilemma? Heard of it. Yes, I've heard, heard about this. Yes. Okay, so like it has, it has this one wild idea about corn and it just says, we think that like when we think about corn, like it's a staple in American, in American culture, and we, we basically have domesticated it like perfectly, right? And then the guy that was writing the book said, like, if you actually think about it for a minute, like, who actually won here? Did, did people win or did corn win more? Right. <laughs> because, like, that's, right. It's a, a wild exactly right? The like, point in, uh, in Sapiens is all about they'd, they'd make the example uh, of wheat, but it's like we go from hunter gathering where life, you know, ain't too bad maybe maybe you hunt for a few hours a day and like you gather for a few hours a day you relax the rest of the day and then we went from a society that you know had probably more free time had a more varied diet had a more interesting life uh, i'm sure there were some pitfalls and wolves and you know who knows what else but then we became sedentary the number of things in our diet dropped dramatically we had to spend all of our day supporting this plant um and yeah, like, I think there's a huge argument to be made for that. Yeah, well, it's also like technology of te technology affects this as well, right? It's like the ways that, that we can produce or how fast we can produce or how big, like if something... Did we domesticate Zoom or did Zoom domesticate us? <laughs> we're not sitting in a room having a conversation together. We're, we're, stuck, we're in our houses. That's the comp constant evolution. Domesticate comes from doma, Latin for home zoom domesticated us um <clears throat> yeah that's true we we live we live this is the metaverse right here <laughs> this is as close as it's gonna get <laughs> this is like uh yeah like uh, this is like the vhs of the metaverse right yeah here. yeah there you go <laughs> by the way have you guys seen top gun too i don't know hell if you're yeah. a top gun fan hell yeah not, not yet I okay see it. tell me about oh. it what do you think so here's what's funky is that like growing up, I, first of all, I thought I watched it twice. Right. So I watched it oh, once. Wow, nice. I watched it the first time with my fam because like that was our favorite, like me and my dad, my brother, like our favorite movie growing up was Top Gun. And also, by the way, the only VHS tape we had at the time. So like we just watch it over and over and over again. Right. So I've watched that movie 
like hundreds of times. And um, so I think like I have a very strange relationship to Top Gun, the original one, because I've like, it was like almost part of my, my, my being, right? <laughs> Growing up. And so like, yeah. it was very, after I watched the second one, like in my brain, like my brain, like the ego of it could not let go of the original movie as being like the best thing ever. And like, all my friends were like, no, it was amazing. It was like the best ever. And I was like, yeah, I was trying to like, I was like trying to poke holes in it. Like, ah, you know, like the original is still amazing. Like, and then I ended up watching it again with a, another friend that was just in town a, like a week ago and we watched it. And then I walked away thinking, wow, like that movie was fucking incredible. It's a strong film, my friend. It's Ooh. a very strong film. Yeah, so tell me about it from your, your eyes, because you look at movies. I remember last time you, you mentioned you you look at like the structure and the themes more like a lot, right? In terms of well, yeah, what, what I thought about top the, the original Top Gun. No spoilers. Oh, original. Okay, go ahead. Oh, original. <laughs> Have you seen the original Top Gun? Yes. Rick? Okay. okay, so the original Top Gun um, has a certain quality to it. It's obviously aged a bit, mm -hmm. but it has a certain quality to it and it sort of defines an entire era, right? And it's good. It's a good movie. You know, it's it's not like a wow, wow, wow movie, but it's a damn good movie. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Because um, it's a more of it's an action film, so it doesn't give the there's some there's like movies that like live in fucking you know how can I say uh, that live in a mausoleum, and there's movies that live in just on the ground outside with the you know <laughs> with the little. <laughs> So, you know cemetery un under whatever those things are called god damn it yeah. bravestones bravestones yes. <laughs> think of the undertaker <laughs> <laughs> this is gravestone um so well, damn it what, what was i on about you're on about top gun the structure of ah, the, thank you, thank you. the movie yeah and then yeah. i don't understand your metaphor though mausoleum versus being like movies that can you look there's movies here let me try to name a movie there's citizen kane Mm -hmm. And then nice. there's Top Gun. Citizen Kane's in the mausoleum. And Citizen Kane, yeah, is a fucking masterpiece. Okay, yes. It like diff it fucking broke so many rules. It broke it, the dude was like 26 when he made it. It and it's it's a fucking fantastic piece. It's an amazing film. If you haven't seen Citizen Kane, go see it. Does it does it when you watch it, does it stand up today? Or do you have to kind of put yourself in the context of? You have to put yourself in the context. You have to put yourself in context. Uh, yeah. Well, well you have to. Um, somewhat. Somewhat. It has. Okay. It's dated. Obviously, it's in black and white. Okay. Yep. It's a, about a subject that we no longer deal with, but it, it the the quality of story, that it conveys yeah. in the in the visuals, and and the way of in the use of sound, is, uh, is a masterpiece in okay. my opinion in my opinion and there are there there are monets of films you know what i mean there are rembrandts of films and they are scorsese they are fucking orson wells they are or, i would no, say it's not george even orwell sorry george orwell it's storytelling or no because orson. like, like that, to me that's all all it really is like it's storytelling and using whatever tools were available at the time sometimes like coming up with new tools to, to tell those stories but like you know it's it, do you feel like the stories today are super soft in hollywood hell fucking yes right okay so i i was i the batman the new batman that came out 
it was on HBO. So I was with my brother and my friend and we all watched it at, at their place. And it was like the most ADD, like it, it had like almost nothing to do with anything. Like the storyline was just could have been there, could have not been in there. Didn't really add or take away too much. And then like you just see action scene after action scene after action scene. And you're like, and then you just walk away like, like it, it was just purely a special effects thing and there was like no story whatsoever and this is why i don't watch the avengers and then i was so terrified because i see people on the internet (laughs) yeah the okay so the avengers well the avengers has like i didn't watch all of them but like the you know the the avengers films are like throwing skittles at you bro it's like sometimes (laughs) i want skittles thrown in my mouth that's what it fucking feels that's sometimes i want foie gras sometimes i want it's it's at your fucking face that's what the avengers films (laughs) Yeah. It's just, and, and and by the end of it, Infinity, whatever, Gandalf, whatever this thing is, <laughs> Infinity Stone, uh, by the end of it, you feel like it's like you're being like a 10 pound bag of Skittles is just dumped on you. That's what. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I agree. <laughs> but I think it, it, people watch films for different reasons at different times. You know, sometimes I want that Citizen Kane experience and sometimes I just want to zone out and watch some explosions. Um, but I, I don't go to the explosion films expecting story. Right. Um, but this is the great thing about something like Top Gun is that it has both it. Yeah. And that's what I meant about like the old one. It has explosion, has all the story. It has meat. It's great. It's a nice, fresh film. It's mm-hmm. a groovy, good film for the time. It's yeah. not a Citizen Kane, but it's the Top Gun and the, the Top Gun that came out recently established itself in a totally new fresh way as well yeah talk about that one now go go to two but no spoilers yeah no spoilers but uh so it it managed to take a sort of 80s like plot you know sort of the guys versus the 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 boys versus the girls like yeah like old you know the The common (laughs) tropes like yeah like tom cruise is like coming back into the scene like it's like this 80s sort of style setup but it manages to do it so it does it through that lens but it's so fresh like the scenes are good it's well written and it's hard to say and you can just see tom cruise is really in those positions he's really flying he's in that role he's he's i don't remember the character's name but he is that maverick maverick yeah how do i not remember that (laughs) because right now you're infinity stoned anyway yeah exactly there you go very nice he's maverick dude that's who else is maverick in in our universe it's it's fucking tom cruise and that's all who can play maverick that's true that is true so that's some special shit and he did and they did a great job they really did and and they know it too because he comes on at the beginning of the film right you watch the film but before the film starts he says hey thank you so much for coming out here to the theater and watching Top Gun, we were really flying out there. This is a real stuff. We're very proud of it. He did that. That's cool. yeah. He Tom Cruise comes out there, so obviously it's not a stinker. You know what I mean? It's not... Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think <clears> ever, <throat> has that has that ever happened in a movie where the the it's the like an intentional little... breaking of the wall before the movie's even started, which is mm-hmm. very yeah, very yeah, strong choice. Um, oh, that's interesting. That's a total. That's totally it. That's so. <clears throat> So probably why you never see what, it. what it also denotes is a kind of theaterizing the movie theaters mm-hmm. you know what i mean oh uh, yeah yeah because the movie theaters are dying mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So they need Give people to come back out. Yeah, they need some extra, extra some. It's cool when it happens. Like I went to a Star Wars premiere once, and like the whole movie staff was dressed up as like Jedi and like and like stormtroopers, and I was just like, okay, this is cool. Like add some more pageantry to the whole experience. It makes it more of an experience, you know. Um, okay, I have, I have a question. Um, Mike and I are like are always talking about what kind of like Bitcoin films we can make. Um, but I want to know, like, how do you think Bitcoin and hyper-Bitcoinization is going to change storytelling and media 10, 20, 30 years from now? Not, not Bitcoin films, but what is Bitcoin's impact on content? Fantastic question. Oh, it's a big, yeah, it's a good one. Fantastic question. Nelson? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on one sec. Let me take a rip and get, so... You're asking about content, what what impact it has on that? In, in like, tech? we're we we live in peak fiat days, right? Mm-hmm. And what epitomizes that right now? Batman, uh, Batman the movie, Bat- Batman, <laughs> Batman, but Batman also, the movie, is the- but also TikTok, and yeah, is this cake? Um, you know, reality TV shows uh, like these are. I'm not criticizing them, but I but they are a product of the world we live in. Like, yeah. So what yeah, we- I think I think in I think in ten years, we, like there will still be so many people on an adoption curve to to Bitcoin. Even at that point, we'll still be early, right? Like, and it's um, I think what'll be really interesting is that you're gonna start to see like a um, almost like one of those those sand clock things, you know, get like flipped over, mm-hmm. where you start to see the like, the gravity is starting to move in the opposite direction, right? An hourglass? Um, Yeah, like an hourglass. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, like it's like we're almost at this point where everything is so decrepit at at so many levels of life and like the sand is like running out almost, right? And it's like like running out of grains and then like you you flip it and that's kind of like the arrival of Bitcoin, right? And in the scene and it's like slow at first and you just have like some few remnants and those like hardcore like original cypherpunks and then all of a sudden like there's a little lump of sand there and i feel like um in terms of that what that how that manifests in real life like i can totally see um i don't i've always i've actually struggled to actually connect it down to like the the concrete but it just feels to me like we all we all know that bitcoin has the ability to to modify behavior in people like, so we, it's very well established that Bitcoin has changed a lot of people's lives by actually changing them. Mm-hmm. So like the, if, if you, if you connect that all the way down to the level of like a, a magazine publisher or like a, you know, fashion thing or whatever you're doing in life, um, there's something about like, it, it's like, it's almost, re- it recalibrates people's compass in a way. So it's like closer to true North. Maybe not like perfect, you know, but like wherever you start in life, wherever you're born, your compass might be super far off or right right on. You're not quite sure. But like like everyone that gets into Bitcoin gets to have like this calibration effect. And we all kind of align as well, like in that way to one another. Um, It's really just time preference. Like how does time preference affect art? How does a lowered time preference affect family life how does it affect eating how does it affect the hobbies you choose and how you spend your time how does it how does low time preference affect every aspect of society basically um and i I think and we think that it will improve it you know 
yeah. Yeah, if, if well, you're... It you allows you to live life. more low type preference. That's the whole, that's the big deal about it, right? Is what one of the big deals. It allows you to live in low time preference. Right now, you ha if you're not into Bitcoin, you have to live in high time preference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no other choice. And even yeah. if you're in Bitcoin, you still have to live into it. But it allows you to know you can live in a low time preference. It's like a circular argument, but like a good one where it like it its existence convinces you to have lower time preference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. It's and about then low, more lower time preference than other people in the rest of the world. And yeah, yeah. Right. And then yeah, and that's that's yeah, yeah that's that that connection to time is everything, right? Like because time is the thing that like time is the thing changing everything, right? So like if you can have a little bit more of it or have more control over it or have a little bit more like cap capacity to like be in the right flow of it right of, of time and like you're not swimming against the current as much like life is just better right like on a it's just like it's not empirical but it's just like on a logical level like you just connect these dots and you're like okay like anyone that touches this their life is arguably better right like on mm -hmm. that that level like if you ignored the usd price and you just think about what are you getting like if you can actually grab it mm -hmm. and you have it like it's like okay that person is now better off mm -hmm. and like me grabbing it doesn't make me doesn't put you at a disadvantage right mm -hmm. like it's it has it's like it's cool in that way and that like everyone that grabs it no one else is getting screwed you know <laughs> like <laughs> and these days like it seems like no matter where you go like unless machinsky every... grabbed it, then you're getting <laughs> oh you went there depends where you they grab it that's now. true that's true you, it's, you gotta <laughs> there's a there's a bit yes, of you buying bitcoin now does not mean that someone 100 years from now buying bitcoin will not benefit from bitcoin they will also benefit from bitcoin. yes yes so yeah so man no, that's I, I think you, Top Gun. Or, what a movie! No, <laughs> I just wanted to say I think it'll have a profound effect on the way that we conduct ourselves. Yeah, uh, as artists and content creators, and you know, I think it'll. I have a feeling it will be more remarkable for us than the Renaissance, or as we call it, the Renaissance 2.0. Right. So, I feel like it's because it has such a relationship to energy and gravity, time, truth, all these sorts of big swathing ideas. Mm -hmm. Like uh, it, it's, it's the, it has implications for art and culture that I don't think we can even fathom, to be honest. I don't know. Right. So I, I, yeah, I think it, a lot of weird shit, a lot of cool shit, a lot of not cool shit is going to come out of this but a lot of shit and Bitcoin is like this fucking arc <laughs> that you could float. You know, that's what I thought I was having. Oh, let me just close with this and I'll, and I'll get out of your guys' way. But um, I thought I was having was Bitcoin is like this um, arc that protects us from this incoming flood of things that are vying for our attention. So it's like, if you can avoid how much time you have to, to not you know, be on a screen or consuming content, how, how much time do you have yourself? That's, I think that's going to be attributed to Bitcoin. Anyway, that's what I was thinking.
I don't know why this popped into my head, but I just came up with a joke. You guys want to hear this horrible joke? Please. I'm going to tweet it in a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> what do you call a Roman emperor who talks too much? What? A Caesar word salad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you have to work some some sort of food thing in there as well no i guess you're right that that's i think that works just fine that's actually really that's a great joke did you just come up with that yeah i don't know i don't know i was think, thinking about certain bitcoiners you probably know who i'm thinking about yes to the term word salad um and I, then i was thinking about low time preference art and like the romans and marble carving and i thought of caesar and i put the two together and <laughs> some anchovies and they were, here we are <laughs> a nice group of things that you sort of attach yourself to yeah. any closing thoughts boys i used to do that on swan lounge i would try to end the show because it was a friday and i had other stuff to do and uh i'd be like it would just it would, it would be a mess the show would keep going on and on and on how, how do you end a show um that's how you end a show you have to be like uh okay guys let's wrap it up yeah, right. This was a great conversation, everyone. I'd really love to hear some closing thoughts. What do you think Bitcoin's going to do next week? <laughs> question. All right, Michael, you go next. Yes, Brother, you gotta, you gotta play the ostrich music, you know, when they yank the person, you know, off the stage, you know, like this. It starts real low and it just, you just keep bumping up the volume until you just drown them out. <laughs> you know, maybe I could do, I could. I can work that into this uh, this whole podcast. This whole I feel day. like you need a trombone. Like, wah, no. wah, 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 There's probably, I should have some, like a few uh, edits and, and Not, I don't think and you need edits. In there, huh? I, think, I think you should get yourself one of those MIDI soundboards with sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> just play them during the show. And like when I make a bad joke, like you play crickets, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, that's like, uh, that's much more radio. That's much more radio. Dude, I want to bring back, I, I feel like maybe there's no audience for this, but like I've always wanted to do a um, an old timey radio show with a bunch of Bitcoiners that like kind of not like kind of like War, War of the Worlds, maybe mm. like where it's a story based thing with sound effects. And it's just like, I don't know. It's like, you know, maybe it's the year 2140 and it's just like this really cool story that somebody writes. But, but then you get all these like well-known Bitcoiners to play all the voices which I, I just think would be so much fun. Like, I don't know. Let that percolate. No, it's a great, great, great idea. It's a fantastic idea. It's, it's funny though. It makes me think, do you keep it in the style of the old time fifties or forties, whatever radio or thirties radio, or do I, you I, I was listening update to one it the to other today? Day. I was listening to one the other day because I was curious and like they did a fantastic job. Like mm -hmm. it like if it's the type of thing where like if you close your eyes and you just listen, like you're in you're in the story. Like you get that sometimes with audiobooks these days where they're really well produced and like they do different voices, but not to the extent that like these stories were were told, you know. Um and I think they really pushed the medium to the limits because they didn't have television yet. So they're like, Oh, what can we do with this? Uh it's really I, I really like seeing the 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 final stage of, of a technology before the next technology comes around to see what people do with that thing. Hey, Brecky, do you see a, a future for VR, like for uh, art entertainment? I don't know if you use it or if you've used them before. 
I mean, I do. I, I actually got rid of my VR headset because um, it was old and breaking down. But I, it's just, I don't think it's quite there yet. Like when we get to the point where it's like contact lenses or like an implant, or it's like a, literally a pair of glasses that you barely feel with haptic gloves. Like when you can actually feel like you're there, I think it'll be a lot more pervasive. Mm. Um, but I don't know about entertainment. That's another, like, that's an interesting question. Right. Because I think in VR movies or content becomes more participatory. Um or it could. So I, I don't know. Oh, it has to be. It has mm, to be. Maybe. I mean, we're, we're light years away from this, but like in the the second uh, Ready Player One book, Ready Player Two, um, part of the premise is that like they've uh, improved the technology to the point where it's not like a VR headset and haptic bodysuit. It's a direct, it's the matrix. It's you're connected in and one of the i really liked how they kind of went down the rabbit hole of okay what would that technology actually allow us to do and they had these experiences called passives where it's like okay somebody wears the headset that records the experience while they're surfing and like you hop into the experience and you actually you can't control it but you're feeling what they're feeling you're experiencing what they're experiencing mm -hmm. so like imagine if you could watch top gun but like you are in top, tom cruise's body and you're actually living the storyline yeah that's and amazing. Jack directly into your head. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> like, uh, well, and and by the way, uh, because you guys watch a lot of movies, I take it in your life. Um, uh, I I don't know if this is like considered a classic, but I just watched it for from a recommendation. It's the uh, Once Upon a Time in America. Yes. Yes. Of course. Okay. So this movie like i almost wanted to turn it off like 10 times before it, like i was it was so slow at first for me mm -hmm. my brain was just like what what's going on here mm -hmm. anyway like i i watched that's it. a that's a mausoleum movie by the way it is right because yeah. this it had this really weird thing because i watched the whole thing but i was working so it was just like on the background and then for some reason i couldn't i woke up the next morning and i was thinking about a scene from it um, and the scene was like when he was just staring through that little light box and the lights on his face. And it was just so weird to me that like that shot was held there for like what felt like an eternity. Wait, are you speaking about the De Niro film, Once Upon yeah. a Time in America? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Fuck me. I, I have to backtrack. I thought you were talking about Once Upon a Time in the West. Also oh, no, 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 no. So, like. I, I realize apologize. now that there's like a once upon a time and like everything, right? Like yeah, everyone yeah. made a version, right? So yeah, what sure. was the, was the West the original one? I don't know if it was the original one. I mean, once upon a time in the West is a, a Sergei Leone, Sergi Leone film or Leon, Leo. Sergio Leone. Sergio he's, Leone. He's the guy, he does the, oh, I, I went out of, you know, the Sergio Leone shot. Sp he does the spaghetti Westerns is yeah. what he mm. does. Okay. He's like known for the spaghetti westerns, and this you know, the, you know the shot that Tarantino uses a lot, where it's a very quick zoom in right on the eyes of someone. Yeah, he invented that. He was the first uh, person to come up with that shot. So, yeah, that's what I, I'm sorry, but okay, yes, yeah. Once Upon a Time in America, <laughs> which I have coming not to seen. America? I love Coming to America. I'm sorry, Nelson, I haven't seen that film. No, it's all good. It's, it's it's long it's like four hours almost so it's like that's right yes that's probably why i haven't long. seen it yeah i remember 
Um, Cause that'll also affect your view, you know, whether you're going to view it or not. You're like, fuck this thing's four hours. I really like, I'm fine. It's good. I'm sure it's good, but you have to, you're capturing my attention for four hours. I'll tell you what's, I'll tell you what's weird about it. And this, it, I, I, I the reason I brought this up is because of your question, Brecky, about how will it change art, right? Like in 10 years. And I think the weirdest thing about watching this movie in today's age is that when you watch it, there's so many scenes where they just hold the camera on somebody's face and they're not moving. They're just sitting there at a ledge, like looking out at the, at the camera. Right. And there's many, many moments like this in the film. And when you, when you're sped up to our ADHD speed today, you're like, why are they not cutting to something else? Right. They're just weird. It's making me almost uncomfortable. Why am I staring at his face for so long? And once you but then the thing when i woke up the next day that like there was like a weird deep attachment to those moments where the camera was just fixated on their face like that's what i thought of when i woke up and i thought that is so weird because it's it's the slowing down but you get all the meaning in it right like it's loaded like it's it's so weird like i don't i, I can't explain it like because because we don't have movies like that anymore mm-hmm um, but it reminded me of that question, like almost like we're, we might be going back in time, but in a pleasant sort of way, right? Like to a time where like things like, I feel like today it's like everyone's trying to squeeze every, you know, second off the cycle, right? Like it's like a very efficiency based game. And when I watch a movie like that or the quality that it presents, it's like, it's offering something of quality, um, but without having to accelerate time. Right. Like you get something of high quality without this, like you got to be on, you know, uh, you know, speed basically to, mm-hmm. to achieve like those ends. It's like, no, mm-hmm. you just like live a nice, peaceful, like centered life. And then you can create this like awesome this. You can have this awesome thing. Um, but what scares me about it is that like after watching Once Upon a Time, it made me realize I'm so disconnected from like from that right because it made me feel something that i've never felt before from a from a movie from an impact from a like a that thing but then the the only conclusion i come to is the fact that it, it's we're moving so fast that we're losing all the meaning right like of life almost it was like the thing that i felt inside you know so i think like oh, almost more important like like it gives life, it goes back to your, your, your thing about the, the religious aspect of it, right? Like it, it gives it, it gives, it gives life back because it gives meaning, right? Like a meaning is always associated with like some greater purpose, greater truth. Like it's, it reconnects you in a way. Right. So. Or slows you down. Brings you back. Yeah. Because I can actually see like innovation slowing down maybe. Right. Like in terms of that, because money will have a different, like, it's not just going to be thrown at everything mm-hmm. right? that can mm-hmm. be seen. Right. That has whatever stupid idea, mm-hmm. like it's going to be much more thoughtful. diligently, yeah, thoughtfully distributed. So like, you're not going to have like these crazy experimental things everywhere, but like, you're going to have a life that is going to be um, just of higher quality. Right. Like, I, a good friend of mine, I don't know, Breck, if you remember him, but I brought a friend to your place for the, the barbecue you're mm-hmm. at the, in your backyard. And um, he's, he's, su- he like anything mechanical, he can figure out with his hands, like all day, every day. Like he's, he, he kind of just intuitively understands 
even if you give him an object he's never seen, like he'll be able to like figure out how to fix it if it's broken. And so um, we were talking about how, well, he was telling me that like, you know, appliances in the eighties, like you could just buy like a fridge and it would last like at least 10 years, right? Like you wouldn't have to keep replacing it. And I don't know if like in your households, for example, but like appliances these days are just like trash. Like they're just, they're just like so sketchy and like no one can fix them. And it's like, it's like the whole thing is just like, what happened here? Like the whole, it's just a disaster, right? Like the whole industry is just. It's a growth for the sake of growth mindset, not growth yeah. for the sake of bettering life mindset. Yeah, that's it. Right. So where does that come from? Is that, is, is that. Easy money. I don't know. Is it easy money related? Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like how yeah. The money, the, the life reflects the money. The, you know, it's, it's all interconnected, right? Now, what about this topic of, have you ever thought about this, um, this idea of like, in a bear case for Bitcoin future where there is adoption, that it ends up in like feudalism, or like kings and serfs kind of thing? Well, that's some, that's the thought of some other Bitcoiners I've heard for sure. I've heard that, that sort of, I think I've heard Breedlove talk through this, right? Yeah, I think it's possible, but like feudalism broke down, right? And I think in a world that is not so technologically un underdeveloped, like actual feudalism was, like people will be able to demand Bitcoin. Like I, I don't believe that like people will, will be able to totally hoard Bitcoin away from half the world. You know, yeah. um, I think if you contribute something valuable and you want to get paid and you're able to you know uh, you're not indispensable but like you're needed if you're needed and someone needs your services like people just won't accept fiat currency like if we're talking like i don't know 100 years from now just okay, how, how did you make that switch how did you make that conviction where'd that come from and how long did it take you hmm? you're talking to me or nelson you Brecky. which switch the switch from non-bitcoiner to bitcoiner i don't it kind of crept up on me because i was like not, i was shitcoining for a while and i like didn't hadn't done my research on bitcoin um i think i i finally i read the bitcoin standard and i started listening to tales from the crypt and matt and marty were like probably the biggest influence that like really it just i literally just started listening to their rabbit hole recap once a week and like listening to them and hearing their conversations and reading the things and you know that they recommended or and like i didn't see bitcoin as like i i didn't really pay attention to bitcoin i, I tried to understand this whole massive crypto space with scams and this and i was overwhelmed and like i just didn't know where to look i had no center and no focus and so listening to their show kind of really gave me a focus for the first time um and i also had a few people who like reached out to me and were just like, yo, what are you doing with that shit coin? Like you need to go back and learn about Bitcoin first before you, if you want to go shit coin, fine. I just, I'll disagree, but like you need to do the research on Bitcoin. Um, and I basically went from like clowning the space, like making fun of the space to wanting to understand the space to wanting to support the space and be a part of it. And um, yeah, that was kind of, no, that's a, sounds like a version of it. A great journey. I mean, I think that's how a lot of us get into it. Like we all sort of shitcoin first and then 
our conviction grows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, God, I had so many good thoughts, but I don't know how to open them up. And I can't remember a few of them, but that's okay. Just Maybe read I... them out like bullet points. Thought number one. Okay, here we go. I will do that. I like this. Here we go. We are the nervous system of Bitcoin. I already said that one, but yes, that's what I thought. I thought we were like these little feelers that are sort of connecting Bitcoin together. Um, another thought is Bitcoiners, we were talking about the metaverse a little bit. Bitcoiners live outside of the metaverse. I thought this was an interesting thought. Is like, what's going to happen in the future maybe is that the people that live in the metaverse are all shitcoiners. <laughs> and then the people who don't live in the metaverse are all bitcoiners. <laughs> and probably yeah, the people it, go in man. between, you know, people that play both roles too. Like genders, I guess, new styles of gender. Are you meta or not? <laughs> are you are meta? Okay. Let's connect. <laughs> I hate the metaverse. I don't hate the metaverse. I just hate the use of the word metaverse in reference to the things that they are using it for. Like the metaverse has always existed. It's been Facebook. It's been the internet. It's just, what is the next phase of it going to look like? Like what is the next phase of our interconnection with the rest of humanity in the digital sphere? That's all it is. Like, I, I do believe that people think that like Bitcoiners think that the meta, they have an aversion to the metaverse. Don't you think? They have an aversion to typically the meta metaverse because it. I think for the same reasons I do because it's bullshit. Like, but and and they tend to be more nature seeking people. It seems like or more. Well, um, I think that natural varies. natural seeking people. Okay, that's I think true. It's more about more about connection too. Like, the, there was a phase in the beginning of the pandemic where we went. A bunch of us went to Bitcoin meetups in VR, mm -hmm. um, and they were awesome. They were really cool. Um, you know, there weren't that many, many of us who had VR headsets and, but like somebody would present, there'd be a, like a Socratic seminar. Then we'd all just like hang out in VR and talk and like wander and explore these like digital hallways with artwork and stuff. Um, but I think you're right in, in that, like Bitcoiners are cognizant of the danger there and the, that there needs to be a balance between the real world and the digital world. Let's say it's where you extract your value is where you're going to live as well. Well, no, that doesn't really map out, right? But if you extract, if you extract your value from the metaverse, you're going to live there, right? If you extract your value from Bitcoin, I think you'll live there <laughs> in a way more. In, I, I believe you'll probably live a more natural life. That's my sort of thesis tonight. Anyway. Those are my thoughts. You guys, thank you for uh, coming on with me tonight and, yeah. bear and bearing through this. Ooh, I'm going to stop recording. It was a good rip. A good rip. Thanks. Loved it. Thanks, Michael. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us at, at High Hash Rate on Twitter. And we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>